right, so this morning we're going to talk as we launch into fall. Next uh, week we're going into, as Zach said, that session on Marriage MD. And that is uh, a design we sent out. We'd like two things. One, for you to pray for that because we sent out 20,000 flyers into the area uh, about a month ago advertising Church in the Park and then this series. And so it's designed to reach out to people in the community. And uh, if you've got friends, a lot of times you say, hey, have you ever thought about doing a marriage thing? We have not only the series in church, but then also uh, the Sunday night series. So you've got a double shot at something that somebody may say, hey, you know what, that would not, we'd go with you. That would be a good thing. So if somebody comes to your mind and the Lord brings them to your mind, risk an invite, would you? So fall is traditionally the time uh, where the church life cycle and everything kicks off, right? And everyone's back from all the various assorted summer uh, plans and activities. As we talked about last week, if you stayed in rhythm with the Lord of the summer, hats off to you, okay? And this will be an encouragement this morning to take that farther. Um, if not, if you got off your game during the summer, then it's time to get back into rhythm, back in rhythm with the kingdom of God, back into rhythm with each other, right? And uh, just remember that when you attend second service, there's a service before you and a service after. So there's a bunch of posse you probably haven't seen during the summer. And, uh, you know, it's a time to make some phone calls and get together again, do lunches together, that sort of things. Also, I'd like to, if uh, you have been gone, I'd like to recommend two sermons. Uh, Zach spoke uh, in August and did two sermons, and they're really powerful. And I'd like to encourage you, if you've not downloaded them, please download and listen to them. You'll be really blessed by them. And then last week, all of that will complement what we're going to cover today, this morning. So I want to start this morning with a question to get you thinking. And the question is this, who really knows you? Think about that question for just a second. Who really knows you? If you think through, and I'm not talking about acquaintances. I'm not talking about all the people you're, you're connected to or you contact with or that sort of stuff. I'm talking about uh, who knows you. Another way that you could ask that question is, uh, who knows your heart? Right? Who's close to you? Who gets in on the inside? And the reason I ask these questions is because... Now, by the way, if you're in a, uh, a background like I am, that's an instant guilt trip, so just release that, all right? That's not intended to guilt you. Just let that go, all right? But it's to get us thinking um, because they reflect uh, one of our main assignments as a church and what Jesus calls us to. Look at these with me. You'll recognize these. Uh, it's important. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Um, and so this is something that Jesus lays out. We're called to love one another. We are to love one another as Jesus loves us. He restates that in uh, John 15. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another. And he adds this caveat, as I have loved you. Think about how Jesus has loved you. He's been, I'll bet you, the picture is he's been very faithful even if you haven't been, right? And is drawing you back all the time because he's really good at that. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. And that song we sang this morning, it says he's not against us, he's for us. Right, And I've called you friends. He's called us into 
uh, and a pretty incredible relationship. For all that I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So I want to suggest that this is our best trump card, all right? Now, apologies, no pun intended. I'm not talking about the candidate. I'm talking about a card game, all right? If we're talking about trump, this is our best trump card we got. If we're talking about the cards we're going to play before the world, if what is it we really have to offer, what is it that we can really demonstrate or give, it's our ability to love one another. It's our love uh, for our love for one another that Jesus says is our best possible advertisement for his resurrection. Think about that for a second. When someone walks in, they should recognize something's different. Uh, I've walked in, uh, I've heard people say before, you know what, I've never experienced the presence or the love of God like that before. What are they talking about? They've seen something that is translating uh, and that's really powerful. When we come into the fall, I think it's a good reminder to remind us of that, that our call is to love one another from the heart. Why? Because it is a major life assignment. You don't love people instantly. You don't just take out a box of love, dump it in, add water, and you're instantly good at it, right? You grow in it. You learn in it. It takes time. And it's something that God builds uh, on a heart level. And that's why the whole thrust of our communication has been uh, this right here. Don't do life alone. Okay, We've talked about don't just sit there. Don't just be there by yourself. Don't just come and then go and nobody knows you and you're not connected anyway. But allow a way to get connected. Allow a, way, a place to happen. Now, there are at least two distinct challenges that I want to cover this morning. First one is for those of us who have been here, right? Those of us who are north of you. So if that's you this morning, this applies to you. Second one is for those of us who aren't necessarily Norfolk. We're either here this morning or we're just recent to Norfolk or we're just thinking about joining. So we're newer to that whole thing. Let's start first with those of us who have been here. For those of us who have been here, for those of us who call Norfolk home, there's two distinct dangers. One, I'm here, but I never tie in. And two, I am here, but I don't want to reach out. Hey, I'm here, but I don't want to tie in. And two, I'm here, but I don't want to reach out. Let's walk through those for a second. Let's, let's take the first one. I'm here, but I never tie in. Now, the reasons for that are innumerable. And if we sat down, it wouldn't be hard to, to lay them out, right? We all know the reasons why that, why that happens. Previous wounds or sins specifically in or from the church or from other believers, other Christians, uh, can really twist that up. Um, Story shame. If you really knew me, you wouldn't let me in. Fear, insecurity. Um, one we don't often think of is shyness. Some people are incredibly shy and have a terrible time with crowds and trying to just in and, and just talk and, and that sort of thing. That's a part of it. There are many other possibilities, but the crux of the matter is that I have decided, for whatever reasons, that it's okay for me not to commit and tie in. Jesus can use others. I'm the exception. All right? So I'm fine. Just leave me alone. All right? And I would do that. Quite frankly, it's, from this position where I'm standing, I'm glad you're fine. Be happy. Okay? It's great. The only problem is that's not the command we've been given from Jesus because the command we've been given from Jesus is to tie in and get close to each other and to love each other. And so from... Um, from my perspective, it's, that's a hard sell sometimes. Now, 
Let me give you a story on this. I remember one Sunday at North Shore. So North Shore is uh, our parent church. We are a daughter church of North Shore, and uh, we, we came from there, and it's not necessary that you know all that. But uh, when I was there, um, I was uh, the end of a service, I was in the lobby, and if you know that lobby, at that time it kind of funneled in a direction. So as we're coming through, I kind of funnel with the flow of the crowd, and I bump into this lady, and we sort of step outside together. And so I... Uh, you know, I introduced myself to her. I greeted her, gave her my name, and asked, well, how long had she, be attend- had she been attending North Shore? And she said, eight years. I said, what? She said, eight years. Now, I have never seen this woman in my life. I don't know her name. I've never run across her. I went, you've been here eight years? And she knew who I was. Hey, Steve. I mean, I was saying, I might, oh, hi, Steve. Oh. And I was like, wow. I was stunned. How could she have been there for eight years and I'd never seen her before? And she actually offered an answer for this. She said, don't feel bad, Steve. When I come in, I go straight upstairs and I hide in the back of the balcony. And this is one of the few times that I've even uh, said hi to anybody. I was like, Wow. I, that ju- you, you can tell, right? It's like, how do you miss somebody in a church body for eight years? It's incredible. What had we missed? Um, what had she missed in those eight years? I doubt that we'll ever really know, but at the very least, that cannot be what Jesus' dream and heart was for his church when he said that we are to love one another. Right? Some, there's a miss in there somewhere. The second is similar to this, but different. I am here, but I have my friends, and I'm really not interested in welcoming new people. Get somebody else to do that. That's what the elders are for. That's what the ushers are for. I just want to sit and be left alone, and I don't need more people. I I have enough people in my life so they can greet themselves. Thank you very much. All right? That's out of my comfort zone. By the way, if you download Zach's sermon, he talks about comfort zones and and our need to push past those. Uh, but we forget that something. We are not just sons and daughters of the kingdom, but we are actually ambassadors. All right? In other words, we've been given an assignment as ambassadors to be representatives for a kingdom. In this case, the kingdom of God. And we are to greet people and welcome them into the kingdom. And we are to welcome people into his kingdom and his fellowship in the same way that we were welcomed and included. I remember when I came to faith, my goodness, people were friendly and they they liked me and they welcomed me to their home and they took me out for lunch and they did things. I was like, wow, this is weird. Uh, I thought, people really do this? But it won me over because I, I was welcome. Right? And what we forget is that we are ambassadors. We are called to represent and welcome as many to the kingdom as God brings our way. It is not up to us who walks into the church. It is up to Jesus and the Holy Spirit who walks into the church. And it's not up to us whether we like them or not. It is our representative role as ambassadors for the kingdom to greet them and to speak a word of reconciliation to them, just like a word of reconciliation was spoken to us. Right, so that covers uh, those of us who are here. What about those of us who just recently joined? Do we have to tie in as well? If you're new and you're kind of checking out, well, 
take this. There's, there's a, a balance point here. If you are really wounded, if you are really hurt, if you've come out of some kind of uh, spiritual war and you've gotten here and you just need to sit and heal for a while, just know that is okay. okay? If you need to just catch your spiritual breath because you got walloped on the side of the head, just treat this as a hospital, take your time and heal up. That's fine. But you can't sit there forever. All right? There's going to come a point where God's going to jostle you a little bit. Uh, I want to speak to those who uh, have had to go through the wonderful and glorious process of church shopping. Okay? Okay. If you've had or to or currently find yourself church shopping, especially if it's through no choice of your own, you just need to know my heart goes out to you. That is such a hard process. And it's hard for several reasons. One, uh, if you left something that was great, I mean, if you... Um, if you... Uh, had a really, really great home church and then had to move to a new part of the country or a new part of town, my heart especially goes out to you because it is so hard to replace what you had or what you knew. It's like, that was so good. Right? Well, that church is okay. They do some, yeah. It wasn't home though, Right? And what can happen is you can spend all of your life trying to replace what God had for you at one time instead of finding what God has for you in the next step. That's a tough transition to make. And I just want to say that as hard as it is, um, we really need to make it. It can actually be very tough, actually brutal, to try and start over and uh, get reengaged in another church because all of us know it doesn't happen in a day. It takes time. It takes a year or two to get back and suddenly you know people and suddenly you're engaged and, and things are rolling and working. And so we're like, do I have to do that again? Especially if you had to do two or three of those, right? If you've been in the same church and you haven't had to make a change or transition and you've just been blessed, count yourself blessed by Jesus, okay? That's a fabulous deal. But if you've had to make that transition, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I've known people who were really walking and had to or chose to make a move and then never successfully made the transition or the connection to another church and ended up floating for years. Let me give you another story. This goes back to North Shore, so it's far enough away. Most of you won't remember it. But uh, there was a family. The dad came up to me and he said, Steve, I just got the dream job of a lifetime. And I said, well, tell me about it. And he did. I mean, it was almost double his salary, double vacation, double benefits, company card, yada, yada. I mean, it was like, oh my goodness, the doors of heaven have opened and I am blessed, right? The kind of thing you always dream about. And I, as we were talking, I said to him, hey, have you gone down? He says, yeah, I went down for uh, the interview last week. I said, all right. I said, while you were down there, did you, did you check out any churches? He said, no, I was kind of busy and I didn't really get to it. I said, well, one of the things I would tell you before you move is go down there with your family and just make sure there's a church that you guys resonate with, that you, you can tie into. And come to find out, he wasn't asking me when he talked to me. He had already decided to take this job. They were already moving, and a week later he was gone, and two weeks later the family was gone. Right? So they made the move and they went down. <clears throat> and uh, and I, I was in touch with him a couple of times and talked. said, hey, do you find church? No, not yet, but we're looking. It'll be good. And uh, we did the Oregon Coast trips, and so his daughter came on the trip. Of course, that one was all weeping. Oh, i got to leave my friends, right? It was trauma kind of deal. And, um, and, and by the way, girls on camping trips do trauma really well. They just all huddle around a camp and, and campfire and ball. It's great. And, uh, 
and they feel really loved. And so the first year she came, that second year she came, she was uh, warm, but not quite as warm. And I said, well, hey, have you guys, did you ever find a church? No, we really haven't been to church much, Steve. A couple times we tried a few, but they just weren't the same as North Shore. And, and I said, well, you know, so I called the dad up. He said, yeah, yeah, well, look, second year she came, she's pretty hardened. All right. And uh, or I mean, the third year she came pretty hardened. And uh, it took most of the week to warm her back up to the Lord again. You know how camp does that. And by the end of the week, she was back. The fourth year she came to camp, she was goth. Okay, goth clothing, black lipstick, the whole nine yards. And she was way, way far away from Jesus. And I said, did you ever, your family ever? No, Steve, you know, we haven't been to church for two years now. They never made the reconnect. And it was deadly. And what I want to suggest is there's a lot of warfare there. There's a lot of lies. There's a lot. And those of you who've made this transition or had to make this switch understand there's a lot of things to battle against. Don't, it's not worth the effort. Just sit. And I want to suggest to you that's not from the Holy Spirit. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, He's going to say, yeah, I know it's hard, but you're going to have to, you're going to, have to tie in. So the truth is there's all kinds of things that can keep us on the outside. As a matter of fact, because of sin, if you've been walloped by sin, uh, often it seems easier just to stay on the outside. But we are not given that option by the Lord. These verses that we looked at this morning are not suggestions. They are commandments. Remember, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And one of his commandments is that we are to love one another. Jesus says, if we love them, we'll, we'll love one another. One of the ways that we aim at accomplishing this through uh, at, here at Northview is through participation in community groups. And we've been pushing this for a long time. And you're saying, oh, are we coming back to that again? Yeah, that's not going away. All right. Uh, this is something that's kind of the core. And I want to explain to you why this morning, because for a lot of us right now where we're at, the last thing we need is another thing to sign up for in the fall. Right. Because we're choking on gagging on all the things that are on our plate. And we're like, I don't need that right now. Um, you know, we're overloaded. Uh, can you come back next year? Maybe our plate will be better. No, your plate won't be better next year either. All right. So that's why we're going to talk about it for a second. What are community groups? What do they look like? Well, uh, they all differ a little bit, um, but here's some core components for what's involved in a community group. Uh, the kind of a, what we call community group DNA. All right. First of all, community groups would have what I'd call a word gene. In other words, there's a word component to it. You're either studying a book of the Bible, you're going through a topical study, or you're taking even the sermon off a of Sunday and working through that. And so there's this word component that you're chewing on the word. Like, for example, if the sermon really spoke something in your life, you come to the community group and say, man, here's what I heard God saying to me. And you, you talk about that. Second is community groups have a prayer gene. All right? uh, it is a powerful thing to pray with other people. Uh, when I first became a Christian, one of the things that blew me away is people would stop in a living room and stop and pray. I had never seen that. I'd never done that. Not like that. Just blew my mind that people actually did that. You know, 40 years later, I'm still blown away by prayer. Every Sunday morning before these services, we meet up in the um, conference room and we pray for the services. And it is a powerful thing when you're praying with other people. There's a link there that you can't recreate uh, any other way. Third, community groups have a testimony gene. There are, and you've heard me say this many times, there are miracles sitting right next to you and you don't know it. And you know why you don't know it? Because you don't know the story. 
But if you had time and you could sit down and tell me, what's your story? Tell me your story. What's the trail? And you began to roll that out. You'd be going, oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? I had no idea. I remember one time at church, a guy uh, was looking at this old guy in the crowd and he says, oh, that old guy bugged me and he was doing something with his coffee and, you know, you need to go talk to that guy. I said, do you know who that guy is? He says, no. I said, you should go talk to him and just ask him his story. So the guy did. He took him out, went and had coffee with him, got his story. The guy's name was Rev Allender. Rev Allender was Gordon Cooper's roommate. Guy came away, he, you know, the, uh, the movie, uh, oh, what's the name of it now? I just lost it. We're all, about all the astronauts, right? He was one of those guys in that movie. And the guy came away going, I, would, I had no idea. I said, I know you didn't, but that's because you didn't know the story. And for so many of us, we don't. Now, where are you going to get the time to share your story? Because at church here, you don't have time. Hi, how are you doing? Fine. Hug. Goodbye. Okay, off to lunch. Right? You might get the Reader's Digest snapshot version in, but you're not going to get the heart or the guts of it. Where is a place that you can actually get your story known? That's in a small group. You have enough time to share your stories. And then a fourth gene that is part of the DNA is a service gene. In other words, when you as a group go out and do something and really help... It's a fabulous deal. You feel great. Uh, for example, one of the things we do here, if you're new, coming up December, you'll hear a lot more about this real soon in the future, but we do the step-by-step banquet. And the step-by-step banquet is a banquet that it, when uh, gals who find themselves in crisis pregnancies go to CareNet and they take an ultrasound, suddenly they realize that's a baby. They choose to keep that baby. That's a win. We go, yeah, and we applaud that. May the angels in heaven sing. And, but then that's a 20-year decision. Who helps them? And step by step comes alongside to help these gals. And these are not nice stories. They're not pretty stories. They're not clean stories. They are a mess. But every December we throw a big banquet and we help and support step by step. And some 600 people come walking through this place. And when we get done with it, you know what we do? We glow. Why do we glow? Because it was so stinking fantastic to do something for somebody who couldn't give anything back. It was so stinking fantastic to help people who were broken just like we used to be, right? And maybe still are, right? But it just the whole grace of Jesus thing just bursts out and there's a component to that. Well, that's best done in a small group because you can talk about, remember when we did that together? And it, it just rolls on. Community groups meet either once a month or four times a month depending on the group. We are aiming at once a week, but that's harder to do with young families and so we flex and roll with that. But they are a strategy not only for body life, but also for evangelism. You say, well, how evangelism? Well, somebody can be adopted by a community group long before they begin to attend a church. You know, in this culture, in our culture right now, uh, Dan Kellogg, the pastor at, over at um, Gold Creek, says that uh, we, we are uh, stuck before we ever get started because to belong to a church means you're a bigot. And so nobody wants to go to church. Right? You might have people, mm. but hey, would you come to our house? We got a small group that meets. Oh, yeah, I could do that. And when they meet with you and they have a break, a, you know, just have a meal together, they're like, wow, you know what? These people aren't as weird as I thought. It's not bad. And after three months of that, hey, you know, could I go to church too? And, and it's a way that they can be brought in. So it's, it's really kind of a cool deal how it can work. So the big question on the table this morning is why? Right? Why would I risk that step? Let me give you five reasons why it would be 
to your benefit to do so. Yes, this is a sales pitch. Yes, I'm trying to hook you right out front. I want you to sign up for a community group this fall. I would like you to consider it. I'd like you to talk about it as a couple. And uh, we will have several different times through the year that you can do this. But yes, this is what we're actually asking you to do. So here's the benefits of belonging to a community group. Let me give you seven of them. First of all, it's a place to tell your story. You can't be known unless you can tell your story. People don't really know you unless they really know where you and Jesus intersected and how you got there and what the path looks like. So you've got to have a place to tell your story. You know what? There's something fantastic when somebody says, tell them your story, and they actually take long enough to listen, and they don't interrupt you, and they go, wow, thanks for sharing your story. There's something about that that you can't recreate. Second thing, it's, as I mentioned, a place to be known. You know, we, we have what we call now virtual knownness. So think about our houses. You have a fridge with all the food in it. You've got a pantry with a bunch of food in it. You've got a television set. You've got a phone. You've got an iPad, an iPod, a computer. Uh, you name it. You don't ever have to leave your house. There could be a nuclear bomb, and you could be sitting in your house munching on Cheetos and having a great time. All right? I don't really need people. I have virtual people that I relate to. My television stars or my, my computer bloggers or those kind of people. And, and Jesus is going... Eh, thanks for playing. No, no, that's not real relationship. Real relationship is when you actually get to know the people and you've got to have a place to do that. And why? Because then I have a place where I'm loved. You know what? TV stars can't love you. Okay? Computer bloggers can't love you. But a real person can actually hug you when you're shedding tears and go, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. And that makes all the difference, all the difference in the world. Here's another thing. It's a great place to ask questions. Okay? If you had a question during, like, for example, a message like on Sunday morning, you would not feel very confident standing up going, hey, Steve, could you go over that? I, I don't understand that point. That, you know, nobody's going to stand up in front of 100 people and go, ah, right? But in a small group, say, hey, I have always struggled with this. What did he mean when he was saying that? Oh, you know what? I struggled with that too. Here's how I worked through that, and this is what the Lord taught me. It's amazing you can ask questions that you never dreamed you could ask in other places. You can ask in a small group. Here's another one. It's a place to grow. One of the problems if you sit there and you isolate is you don't grow because you're just there and it's just you and it's only your input. When you get other people involved in the input, when you get other people talking, when you get other people involved, all of a sudden you can grow. Somebody can say, hey, have you ever considered this? No. Many times how we get into ministry service is somebody said, hey, have you ever thought of doing this? No. Would you ever consider doing this? No. Let me tell you why you should think about doing this. And all of a sudden you find yourself doing something you never thought you'd do. And one, you actually like it. And two, you're actually good at it. And it's like they knew before you knew that you were gifted to do something you didn't even know yourself. And it's like, wow, you can really grow. Six. It's a great place to find advice. Hey, we're struggling with this. Anybody know anything? Yeah, and I mean, it can be from marriage. Oh yeah, we hit that wall too, and here's what that looks like, and here, let us help you do it too. Hey, anybody know anybody who knows how to fix washing machines? Anybody know where a good plumber is? Anybody know a good electrician? Oh yeah, call someone, right? And it's a great place to suddenly uh, get all kinds of advice from. And as I mentioned, it's a great place to serve. 
David Weed, who was just recently our chairman and a longtime friend, said that successful groups are always groups that go back to the original DNA of their mission or call. Uh, a lot of times you can get started as a group and have momentum and then veer off and then forget what the original uh, mission or imprint was uh, when you started. Community groups were a big part of the core of Northview in the first five years. And we have core members sitting here. I'm looking at the Dotons. I'm looking at the Chews. I'm looking at the Templins. I'm looking at, there's a bunch of us, all right, that were part of that original group. And the original planting of Northview had to do with small groups. And so Northview flourished under small group ministry that started in Jackson High School. How did we get away from that? Well, some things went wrong. Northview went through its trauma years and... uh, it was basically uh, Norfie was in trauma and I was in trauma and God brought us together and it was a sweet gig. All right. It's been a marvelous 12 years. And I would tell you what a fabulous group of people you have been to me and my family. And I hope that the reverse has been true as well. But one of the things that happened is we moved away from the small group format, not be- intentionally, but the reason was, is that we were a small group. Okay. There was much left. It wasn't hard to know everybody. It wasn't hard to meet with everybody. I could do all the counseling things. I could call everybody. I could, I mean, right? It wasn't hard. We did family meals. Uh, at that point, we were at Archbishop Murphy. They had concrete floors. So it didn't matter, right? The kids could throw whatever they wanted. All we had to do was sweep it up. And so we could sit for hours and talk once every month. And you get your story and you get what's going on. And it was easy to do because we all met together. But then we grew and then we moved here and now we're three services. How many were at the park? Did you turn around and see how many were at the park? Was that astonishing to you? Right? We look at this and go, oh, we're not really growing. Nothing's really happening. You look at the park and go, where did everybody come from? Right? Whoa! All right? Well, it's really hard to cover that many people. Uh, this week I spent time talking to a husband who I had not only missed their trauma, I didn't even know it was happening. And I'm like... He's sitting there sharing with me what they had been going through. And I'm in absolute shock. I'm like, I didn't. Oh, my gosh. All right. And you're like, wow. Now you can chalk that up to bad pastoring or you can chalk that up to poor communication. By the way, I'm going to get them to come and share sometime and talk about that because it's really an incredible story. But um, and you can chalk it up to a host of other things. But the truth is, there's a lot of us now. Okay? There's a lot of us now. And it's easy for things to slip through the cracks. I can no longer cover the sheer volume of needs that exist just in this service, let alone the other two. Think about the days of when you could call me and I could say, hey, let's go out and have lunch together and we could spend three hours together and we could map through everything your heart's desire want to talk about. And you came away going, that's a pastor. That's my man. Okay? Think if we did that just in this room. Three hours for every person. Right? It's impossible to do what we used to do. So, here's the thing. A small group can, though. A small group can inform us as a board. A small group can pray for needs within the group. A group can provide meals. A group can help with needs that arise. One anothering is one of the most basic of all the biblical admonishments found in the Bible. So what we're doing is just going back to our original DNA. What we did at the beginning, what we got away from wasn't all that necessary at that point, but we've got to come back to because now we're at a breaking point because the needs are bigger than what we can cover. And so we're talking about raising up small groups so that the needs get met within the group. All right, so what does that look like? Here's what it looks like. 
right? We have these community groups right now. There are some more in the making, and we'll have more offerings uh, during the year. But these, if you go on our website, this is the list you're going to see. All right? We've just updated it. We've just retuned it. These are the ones that are in uh, functioning right now. So you can look on there and you can find a group. If you've got questions, you can call the office. We'll try to help you. Uh, some of you might not be electronic people. That, that would be me. Right? So if you've got your bulletin, one of the ways you can do this is in your bulletin you have this little tear-off part, right? You just peel that off. That's not hard to do. Even I can do it. Right? And if you put your name on there and a phone number or an email that we can read, that'd be good. All right? uh, and just put, hey, I'd like to talk about community groups. Uh, just do that and drop it in one of the offering boxes along the wall by the doors. We'll get in touch with you and say, okay, let's talk through that list and what are you looking for? What, what can we actually... What can we actually do? If you go on the other part of the website, just check, click on community groups. This is the site you're going to see. And when you see that, you'll see a place on there that says, to find out more for community groups, click here. Okay, we got the click thing down now. We know how to click. So don't, don't look at me like, oh, I don't get it. Even I know how to click. So, you know, you just go on there, you click, and you look through. And if you still have questions, you can always call. We'll talk through it again to help us to help us get there. That's how uh, you, can, you can sign up. All right, here's Northview's mission statement. We're committed to, as a church, right? You've seen this before, encouraging people to become more like Jesus. That's not as easy as it looks. Have you tried it? Right? Uh, by uh, celebrating God, serving one another, sharing God's love with our world. So celebrate, serve, and share. That's best done in a small group. I wanted to capture the spirit of it, though, this morning, not just the technical, but what's behind that? What's the mission behind that? There's a, a song uh, that you probably won't know it. Some who come back in the North Shore days might remember it. My friend Ken Dolman wrote this song, and uh, we used to sing it. It was kind of an anthem uh, for the church at large. And uh, I won't sing it for you, but I'd like you to see it. It says this, We're the family of God brought together as one. You know, Think about the fact that we would have never met if it hadn't been for the grace of Jesus. Think about how incredible it is. We're the family of God brought together as one, reaching out to our neighbor as we lift up the sun. Isn't that what a church does? Right? With our Savior, we stand in true harmony, giving hope to our world, what? As a close family. Sure, the church is an institution. Yes, sure, the church is. Um, is a business, yes. Sure, the church is a lot of things, but what's the core definition? The church is family. We're the family of God. There may be a lot of wrinkles and burps down here on this level, but guess what, brothers and sisters, in eternity, that's all going to be gone. We're all going to be family. And Jesus wants us to practice that before we get there. Would you cooperate with him to practice that together? That's all I'm asking this morning. Would you consider, have a conversation about signing up for a small group? You say, well, we might not have enough. Don't worry about it. Enough of you sign up, we'll find leaders, okay? I'd love to have that problem. That would be a fabulous problem to have. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this. And I think this gang knows my heart, and I think they know um, that this is something that um, we've talked about for quite a while, and and, uh, the community group committee put a lot of thought into this and, and we've kind of, especially for me, done a bend back around to what you originally uh, called this church to in the beginning.
And we seek you that you would birth life out of it. Uh, we know there's, there's no magic. We know there's life and we know there's your spirit and we know there's grace and we know there's forgiveness and there's reconciliation and we know that's got to take place. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, give life and energy and power to the small groups in our church. And we seek you for that in your name. Amen.